Hi, Miss Bianca. Hi, Ellie. Uh, we are taking our listeners to Miami today <sighs> via a phone call. I don't know. That was more like Mexico. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was so funny. We were we filmed something for Undateable yesterday and they have this NBC does this fall preview show where they talk about all those shows the new shows that are coming out and uh, the cast of Undateable hosted it and you know it's like everything's like with energy and we're talking about these shows and we're all so tired and it's just you feel so cheesy when you're doing it and so at one point I just started doing that I started going (laughs) so stupid it's kind of like a jolt of caffeine though the boys boys got mad at me me up they did (laughs) were they annoyed yeah because it made them like mess up so because they were laughing so hard. Like, you stupid mom. They're like, you stole such a mom. energy. Such a mom. Oh, my God. Speaking of moms, my sister-in-law, Sarah Wilson, who we are interviewing today. Yes. She's a certified CrossFit coach, nationally ranked endurance athlete, who's competed for Team USA at the world level in the sport of duathlon. And one of the only things that rivals her interest in athletics is her strong desire to design and create. So she has this incredible company that she is the CEO of. She has put all of her blood, sweat, and tears into this company. It's uh, called Fashletics. And there's a collection of handmade jewelry that she designs and creates and hand makes. And, uh, and she also has apparel. And... She's just a badass. By the way, did I ever tell you or mention to you that I bought some of the apparel before I ever even knew you guys? No. I loved it because doesn't her stuff say like, uh, it said like l- live, live, love, lift. Yeah, live, love, lift. And I, they had really, she had really cool knee socks and like a. Yeah. And because I'm not a part of her company, I think it's probably okay to say that uh, we should all boycott Ann Taylor because Ann Taylor's company, their loft company, they had some logo thing that said live love loft and they told sarah that she was no longer to able to do live love lift because that was too close so she no longer sells that apparel i mean i don't i don't want to sound like an asshole but that that makes me so angry because like there's enough for everyone yeah like I the, know. Come on, Ann Taylor Loft. Like people aren't getting no confused one's confusing loft with, with lift. lift and like workout gear for CrossFit. It makes me crazy. Yeah. Anyway, I'm the angry one. Sarah is a super like positive one. So <laughs> our uh, our listeners, I think, will really enjoy hearing from her about yeah. juggling her work and she's pregnant with her second child and all that goes into that she's in amazing shape she's in amazing shape like she could kick when i met her i was scared of her (laughs) because she's also quiet too and she um and she just has like a very strong presence so i I was nervous about her at first but i'm so in love with her and i think really consider her a soul sister and she just sent a group family text uh my husband's family really enjoys texting each other and there's like seven of us on this text chain and she just sent a personality type test to all of us yeah so we did it and you answer all all, like 20 questions like do you usually plan your actions in advance or you are a person somewhat reserved and distant in communication and you say yes or no to these all of these things right i think there's 16 different personality types Adam's mom and I are, are the, the same, same personality <laughs> type. 
Yeah. I mean, along with Oprah and oh, Julia right. Louis Dreyfus. But I thought that was so funny because I was like, you married your mother. Oh, my God. Of course. Of course. We should post that on Facebook. That'd be fun. It's right? really fun. I'm losing my mind because I'm looking for a new nanny. And as I have said here before, I wish I didn't have to have a nanny, but I do because I get to do what I love for a living. And that's amazing. But it also means that I'm not home a lot. And, you know, up until this point, I was breastfeeding Magnolia. So she was at work with me all the time. And now, like, work's not that fun for her. And she has friends that she sees at the park and all this. And we've had some great nannies. But for whatever reason, mostly, I think, because they have lives and they realize, like, wow, this schedule doesn't really work for me. Because, you know, it's really hard. Every week is different. And I can never really tell you in much advance, like, what hours you're going to be working whatnot so we're really trying to find especially because you're so hands-on when you do have time off yeah and I mean it sucks but like we basically had to make peace with the fact that we were going to be paying somebody not to be there sometimes because I don't want to come home from work and have a couple days off and say like well I'm paying this because you know we guarantee a minimum amount Mm -hmm. so that this person can get full time and pay their bills and you know feel secure and, you know, Mike's and I, uh, outlook on it is the last place we want to skimp is childcare. So we want that person to feel like they're taken care of. But it's hard because uh, we'll come home and I'll be like, okay, I'm not working tomorrow and the next day. So you have it off. And I know I'm still paying them, but it's more important that I spend that time with my kid. However, I really want, I'm just dying for somebody that can stay with us for years to come. Like if we have other kids and, you know, I know that that might be kind of a pipe dream, but... I know people who have had their nannies around for years and years and years, and I believe that that's possible for us. Um, And we're really, I mean, yes, I'm patting myself myself on the back, but I do think we're really easy people to work for. I mean, we are as accommodating as we can be, and it's a lot of fun at our house, you know? It's so much fun at your house. I love doing the podcast at your house. We're at our fancy studio right now, but I love doing it at your house. And Mike is really silly and stupid, and so he always, you know, and he, like, makes everyone dinner, and you're, like, become part of the family. So it's just kind of hard. We just try to make ours laugh all the time. It's really obnoxious. It's like the comedy hour. (laughs) Like, oh, we have an audience. Our sitter came. I mean, the poor Stay with us. Stay with us. (laughs) Jesus, I'm here to look for your kid, look after your kid, not to, like give you a pat like applause yeah (laughs) but isn't it amazing too though when you're looking for someone to care for your child there's so many like things that kind of like think it's more like a fine line like you you don't want somebody who's so much the parent that then you feel like you're not parenting and that they're making decisions uh, outside of the things that you've requested but you want someone who can make their own decisions Um, my favorite thing one of my favorite things and I have many favorite things about our sitter is that she lets me flounder Like, it's so nice that she lets me kind of spiral for a second about, like, whether or not I'm going to drop them off at the park or if that's a good idea or if it's going to be too hot because it'll be, like, 85 degrees by this time. And, you know, she lets me kind of work through it. I mean, Sabrina doesn't – I try to really keep that away from Sabrina, like, the nuttiness. But that my sitter allows me to sort of, like – and then she'll just be like, yeah, that's great. Let's do that. And I'm like, oh, you're the best. And you don't feel judged. I don't for feel judged. It. And I don't feel like she's like the power player. Like I, yeah. d- I can't have like a domineering mother figure for my sitter. Yeah, it's really difficult because you're asking somebody to come into your home and, and mimic some of the things that you do, but also be their own person. And I want you to be a friend, but I don't want you to be my best friend because then the lines get blurred and then I feel weird about like 
telling you when I don't feel like something is Then all of a done. sudden all the dishes are like piled up because <laughs> yes. you're like, oh, I gained a friend and now I have to do all the bottles. Or like you're actually working on days with your child because your nanny decided that she needed to go somewhere and you're like, okay, you can um, go. What was the best thing was with Coachella? Like everyone lost their the sitters nurse. at Coachella. That yes, was the best. It's so and funny. it was so true. Yeah. Oh my God. It's it, We were all, all commiserating. All of these women who used to get to go to Coachella were all just like, ugh. <laughs> Mike's like we're checking Instagram. Mike's like, would we be awful parents if we just strapped her to us and went? Like, I think yeah. that's a good idea. Well, we should just have, yeah, have that oh like headphone God. thing. We should start a group that's Coachella, Coachella moms and dads that we all go together and we just with stand kids. in a circle with our kids. Can I rent a dad for that? Because there is no way Adam <laughs> will join me. Well, come to think of it, I don't know if Mike would either. Uh, he actually probably would. He, uh, Mike doesn't really like big gatherings of people. Neither does Adam. Adam and I were talking about this on our Montreal trip, by the way. We were like, Oh, yeah, you- when you guys were in, uh, I was about to say Europe. It feels <laughs> it like, feels like don't Europe. they speak French there? They do speak yeah. French. It does feel I knew very- that. I don't know why I was insecure saying, don't yeah. they speak French there? Because it's like, it's an obvious yeah. thing. It is an obvious thing. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we were we went there for Undateable, and we were talking about how it's, it's crazy that he and Mike aren't better friends because there are some very, very distinct similarities. Oh, yeah. Um, mm. And they would probably have a great time together with nobody else around. I know. That reminds me of – I read the pilot for Frankie and – what is that? Oh, yeah. Grace. Gracie and Frankie. Yeah. Grace and Frankie. Um, it's on Netflix. And that sounds like the beginning of that. Because really? it's about the two husbands have been having an affair together. It, like really have been having an affair? Yeah. Oh. And so, so they both break up with their wives. So oh, it'd be wow. like if Adam and Mike <laughs> had, had us for dinner and then they were like, so we're going to all get divorced and the two of them are going to be together. And by the way, they're so pretty and they dress really oh, well. and They like have beautiful children together. They landscape that I could believe that maybe would happen. <laughs> I think my husband's like maybe one chromosome away from being a gay man. When I met Adam, I thought he was gay. <laughs> and I, yeah, I told my girlfriend that. He, uh, but so anyway. Funny. I, I get it. Come look. My my husband's closet is way nicer and way more organized than mine is. <sighs> and he and and so many packages come to our house. Every time like I'm designers. over, there's like seven packages of that cl- show like up. like designer clothing. Yeah. I mean Adam could use that. I still have this like choking feeling from the Montreal like cough <laughs> I just did. <coughs> Um, well, I just ate this like chewy Quaker bar. I know we, we, we both made bad decisions while we're sitting in the studio because I forgot to bring food and, um, and you know, and then you get hungry because we're talking to so many great people and because we're going to talk fitness now, (laughs) we're both going to feel great about ourselves. (laughs) Um, you guys, Sarah Wilson is a force of nature and I'm not just saying that because she is my, uh, big sis-in-law. She really is an incredibly inspiring human being who has, you know, created an outlet um, through her website also. She's got this blog where every month she features another, she calls them fashlites, but athletes that have overcome, you know, difficult circumstances or have lost 70 pounds or whatever's going on in their life, and she features a new person every month. And it's, she's, uh... She's just doing so much good in this world, and I'm excited for everyone to get to know her a little better. So let's take a break, and we'll come back with uh, with her on the phone. Hi, it's nice to meet you. Hi, nice to meet you, Bianca. Thank you so much for doing this. 
Yeah, I'm excited. Thanks for having and you, me. And you're our most prepared guest ever. Like the whole list of everything was very <laughs> helpful. I, was, I asked uh, Sarah, I, I want to call you Moo. Is that okay? I guess I'll call yeah, you Sarah. I'll be professional was, I mean, about it. Well, you can call her Moo. Well, we, I think well, we just should... tell the story. Yeah, right. So, because yeah. I always think Maybe of a cow explain. when I first. <laughs> um, Adam's fa- Adam's family is full of nicknames. Everyone has a nickname, and Sarah's nickname is Moo. And I was always like, she's not a cow. Like I don't get it. No, once when I was I played soccer when I was little, and you know my parents on the sidelines would cheer, "Go Moo, go Moo." And my mom told me one day, this woman walked over and was like, why do you call that tiny wisp of a girl moose? <laughs> moose. Moose is even worse than a cow. <laughs> so will you explain to our listeners where your family got that nickname? Yeah, my dad's side of the family is Polish. And when I was born, I have brown eyes. When I was born, I guess my eyes were really, really large. And the Polish word, my grandma thought I was like a little fly. And the Polish word for little fly is mushka. So she just started coming Mushka and the name stuck and then got shortened to Moo and Mui and any derivative of Mushka that you can kind of think of. So it means little fly because I looked like a bug when I was a baby. Aww. So cute, right? Super cute. <laughs> Bug-eyed. So flattering. Yeah, bug-eyed. So will you tell our listeners where we are talking to you from? Like, where are you right now? I am in North Miami, Florida. In my studio, which is like a warehouse type space, and it's where I run my little business. I have a workshop here in an office, and it's roughly, you know, five miles from my home on the beach. So it's a pretty nice setup. And how do you go every day? Do you take the weekends off? What's your uh, work family life setup? I take the weekends off, which is something I didn't always do prior to having a baby, but as you moms know, that's especially with husbands who work normal jobs, the weekend is pretty sacred time. So yeah, I work, I do come every day, especially now that my, my son's two and a half and he's in school. So I work at my studio while he's in school and then I leave and go pick him up at the end of the day. And I often will, like once he goes to bed or once my husband gets home, if I have to, I'll go, I don't come back to the studio, but I work from home sometimes. So so is it safe to say that your life pretty much consists of your business, which is your handmade jewelry and apparel wear, mm-hmm. exercise, and family? Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. And if you looked at like where I go on a map every day, I everything is within maybe like a five or 10 mile radius. So it's like my house, my son's school, my office, in my gym and they're all in this little I live in a very tiny world right now so <laughs> but I think if you want to be a productive parent you kind of have to consolidate your life at least I've found that's been really helpful the uh geography of it all but yeah were work and home have they always been the same since you had um since before you had your son I used to work out of my home and I think right when I found out I was pregnant I had just moved my workshop out of my home and into this studio. So it was kind of perfect timing because what was my home studio became his bedroom. Well, also you would want to get that out of the house with a toddler, right? Like when I think of jewelry making, I think of sort of uh, like (laughs) putting beads on a string or something, but your jewelry making is like, is the word soldering? Is it soldering or soldering? Soldering. It's it's metal smith. Soldiering. <laughs> I feel like soldiers do it. It's so intense. 
Yeah, it's definitely not baby proof. It's it's metal. It's very raw metal, and it's soldering and sawing and cutting and sanding. And you know, there's sometimes chemicals involved, and it's really like not. Once it got to a certain point, it was no good for a home of any kind. You know, it's dirty and can be toxic. And so I was very happy to get that out of the house and especially away from the baby. Um, I should send you guys the before and after picture of the of his bedroom, which like was the studio and then became his bedroom because it's it's I mean, it's kind of crazy what it used to look like and what it is now. It's really interesting because my facialist works out of her home. She has a studio in the back. But I asked her, like, one of the first times I went over there, I was like, oh, my God, this is so awesome. And I was thinking to myself, like, how convenient that you work mm-hmm. so close to where, you know, your your child or your children are. And she said, you would think so, but no. And yeah. um, so, you know, I bet, too, from aside from the safety standpoint, it's also nice to have that break between being mom at home and going somewhere mm-hmm. where you're actually designated, like, this is where I do my work. Yes, 100%. I think that's true for most people who have, you know, a home business or something that could be run from home. It's it's just nice to have a space that's separate. Especially, I think creative people are probably more like this, where your brain can't detach from one thing unless it is physically separated from that place. So, you know, when it was just my husband and I living in the house, it was pretty easy. I could shut the door and stop thinking about it. But it's you know, the dynamic of the household changes dramatically with a child. It was like constant interruptions, right? Constant, yes. I mean, even if I'm I'm home with him and he's, you know, like playing by himself and I'm like, ooh, I'm going to sneak my laptop out for a second. The second I pull that laptop out, mommy, what are you doing? Mommy, can I play? And he's like in my lap, you know, within seconds of me even reaching for my laptop. So I don't work around him. When I'm with him, I'm with him. And I've figured out that it's very counterproductive to try to be doing both at once. You have a great quote on your blog, um, which everyone needs to read on uh, your website, fashletics.com. And in this one post, you talk about sort of juggling having your own business and wanting to be a present parent. And you have this Mm -hmm. great quote where you say, while on self-imposed maternity leave, I remember Googling part-time CEO. No results found. Shocking. (laughs) So what tips do you have for moms trying to balance everything and have it all? That's hard. Well, first of all, it helped me that I wasn't starting this business when I had a kid. I had kind of started it up and it was running relatively smoothly by the time he was born. So I, you know, I kind of knew what I was doing with the business and I've made a lot of mistakes in trying to, like I said, trying to do everything all at once and you know my own own mom is always the voice of reason I called her one day when I was driving home and Ryder they called me from school and he was sick and I had to go get him and you know I had to basically like say okay just you have to stop working and stop doing all these things you had planned and I was just like mom who can do this who can do all of these things like how I don't understand how anyone does this and she's like nobody does and if they tell you they are they're lying I think to expect that you can be running on 100% at all time at multiple things is not realistic. I feel like Bianca and I are feeling that right now. We're both like sitting here just being like, "Ah." (laughs) (laughs) And it sucks because, you know, as someone who runs their own business and I'm very, you know, a lot of things about my personality are very type A and, you know, I want to be controlled and I want to, I'm a perfectionist. I want to do everything the best it can be done, which requires a lot of time and energy and, just very hard to 
you know, to do that. And, and two Bianca very important has three pages of notes that I typed up in front of her right now. <laughs> I'm like, just yeah, glaring at me. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So I would say people just have realistic expectations of what you're capable of. And that's something that's really helped me with, um, I kind of said to myself, okay, the, the pace of the way that I ran my business has changed. It cannot be the same as it was before I had a child. Oh. I'm not working, you know, 12 hours a day. I can't work, do whatever I want, whatever I want. I have to be much more strict about my schedule and much more careful with how I spend my time. So I, like you, Ellie, I make a million lists and a million schedules and I don't overload those to-do lists. You know, I won't put like 15 things on to-do yeah, on I'm Monday. I'm still overly optimistic <laughs> with my list. <laughs> and I, I think I, yeah, I'm going to be overly optimistic. I think I read somewhere like put two really important things on your list to complete that day. And that way there's no stress when you leave, have to leave work, you know, like, oh my God, all these things are left undone. No, like I... I and it, it forces you to focus on what's most important, you know, that you don't end up wasting time, like sitting in front of emails for three hours, which everyone could probably do. And it's not necessary. So and I, I definitely still struggle with that. I always, you know, there are always times where I'm trying to do more than I actually have time for. So that's something I'm constantly reminding myself of and constantly like reworking my calendars and making sure that each day is limited to what I am actually capable of accomplishing. So that I, when I do go home to my son, I can be relaxed and with him 100% and not stressing. That's a big one. You know, having realistic, realistic expectations. For me, exercise is super important. It just, I think all that stuff about the releasing of endorphins and alleviating stress is all true. Is there ever a day when you're like, ugh, I have to work out because this is also part of my business? Because you go to all the CrossFit games and you've got all you know what I mean like if you ever wanted to take a few yeah, months off I mean, do you feel the pressure of like but this is part of my brand yes and that's actually good motivation for me because for a while I was skipping workouts to go to work instead and then I realized I was starting to feel very detached from this fitness community that I built my business on and I'm like I can't be a person who runs a business based on fitness if I don't myself participate in, in this community so that's how I justify, you know, I spend an hour at the gym whenever I go and it's not every day, but it's maybe four or five times a week. Oh, and, and when um, I've seen this woman work out, when she works out, it's not like, you know, you're not there for <laughs> an hour. You're not like taking laps over to the water fountain. She was doing pull-ups when she was seven months pregnant. Yeah, it's it's intense and I like it like that. I, I think it's important too, you know, because... I know it's easy to I mean I hear you talk about that and I'm like holy crap like I can barely get out on like a jog for 15 minutes mm -hmm. and I think you know it's important for people to know too that especially when we're talking about priorities and scheduling things and figuring out you know what you can get done in a day it's like some people aren't like that and some people that doesn't work mm -hmm. for them right and if if you are one of those people it's fantastic and also, you know, you clearly are somebody who really enjoys exercising. I mean, you've made a life around it. And some people 
hate it. <laughs> so yeah. there's there's both sides of that coin. So I think like an important thing for our listeners to know too is to embrace whoever you are as a parent and as a person in this life. And if that's not what appeals to you, don't try right. to push yourself into some mold. But for you, you're really good about including the things that are important to you and that you do love and maybe are a necessity as well. Exactly. I think that's a good point. I mean, you find for me, it's exercising for someone else that might be, you know, reading a book or, you know, what other activity fulfills you in that way. You know, it's kind of like your, your therapy activity. You have to figure out what your motivation is to do that activity, because otherwise that's going to be the first thing to go, especially I think as a mom where we're, you know, I think we're wired to be so selfless and give up our thing before we would give up on anybody else, whether it's our husband or child or work, whatever. I do have to say also, though, Moo, that you were, you kind of created, you revolutionized our family in terms of fitness because when we got married, uh, your husband, who was, you know, super athletic growing up, he, after, at our wedding, do you remember how much he weighed? Like, he lost how many pounds once you started working um, out? I think he lost over 20 pounds. <laughs> he weighed 220. My dad used to call him Deuce Deuce. <laughs> Deuce Deuce 220. He wasn't, he wasn't overweight. He was just like, yeah, he went from, like, being young and athletic and relying on his young metabolism and his active lifestyle to being someone who worked, you know, eight, nine hours a day and then came home and sat on the couch. And so... Um, I started doing triathlons when we, when we moved to Miami and I remember being at a bike race one weekend and the guy that was coaching me was like, Oh, I didn't know you're married. That's really cool. Um, like, you definitely got to get your husband involved. And I was like, yeah, it's a good idea. And he's like, no, I'm serious. Like, I don't, your marriage like won't survive if you don't get him <laughs> involved in this. <laughs> and his point was more like, you know, you're super passionate about this. It's obviously having a life-changing impact. You need to get your partner on board in some capacity. Right, you know? and not only one of you can join a cult. Like, if you're going to join a cult, you both have to join it, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, you know, cults are very, you know, they're for families. <laughs> <laughs> um, because then everyone got involved. Because then your one of your sisters became certified in CrossFit also. Your husband became certified in CrossFit. Adam started yeah. doing it a lot more. I mean, there were a couple of years where the whole family would show up in the summer and it was just like abs, abs, abs. <laughs> we have all since then um, relaxed on that because, yeah, yeah kids uh, kids soften you in so many ways. Your heart oh, yeah. and yes. your middle. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I think Ellie has um, in her prepared pages for me here, which is so awesome. I'm never doing it again. She makes it, but I care about this one so much. <laughs> uh, she makes a, a great point, which is that you you do work. You sound like you get a lot of things done. So, what? How do you take care of childcare? What What does that look like for you? Right now, my son is in school every day from nine till two forty five. Um, so I take him either me or my husband takes him to school. Uh, we both go to work. I pick him up after school, and then he comes home with me, and we hang out until my husband gets home. And often, my husband is home early enough to take care of like bath and bedtime and do that whole routine with him. So if I need to, I can go back into my little office, get some more work done, or you know, make dinner for my husband and I or something like that. When he was an an infant, I stayed home with him. Like I, I did give myself an like a real maternity leave, not real, but I was like, okay, three months. That's that. I guess that's standard. So I guess that's what I'll do, you know. And I stayed home with him for 
three months just me, but I was able to work a lot from home. And then when he would get, when he was a little bigger, I would sometimes take him into the studio with me. I had um, my assistant here working. So he would come with me to the studio sometimes, and that was really nice. And then when he was about four months, we got a part-time nanny. And she would come like, I don't know, like 20 hours a week or something. And so I was kind of like easing my way back into like a full-time work situation. To be honest, like once he started school, he started preschool very early, like right when he turned two, which I know a lot of people are probably not down with, but it worked for us and he loves it. So once he turned two, even though I'm still not technically full-time, it feels, it, it feels like full-time to me. So we'll probably repeat the same thing when baby number two is born, that same kind of schedule. I want to get to the pregnancy in a second, but do you feel okay. like, or is there ever a time when, you know, you've had to pick up your son from school because he's sick or whatever, and you're like, oh, I wish my husband could do this. But because it's he doesn't have his own business, because he's accountable to other people too, that that doesn't happen. Right. Is that, see, yeah, that I'm projecting onto you, but it's frustrating, right? <laughs> it's very frustrating. And then, you know, I have to remember that the reason I chose this career path and to run my own business, I think even before I thought about having kids, I always knew I wanted to be working in a way that allowed me flexibility in my schedule so that I could spend time on spend time on the things that are really important to me, such as family. So I created this life for myself. You know what I mean? Like I just, this is, this is, I have to remind myself, this is what I wanted. And I designed my life this way so that I could be the one to pick him up from school. So I wouldn't have to rely on other people to take care of my kid at certain times, or, you know, I could be there as much as possible and still work. And there aren't a lot of jobs that, you know, that allow for that, that extreme flexibility. My husband, on the other hand, has a completely different setup. He works at a company and reports to other people and travels a lot, a lot more responsibilities. He travels a lot. And that was his choice. And he supported me in my choices and I need to support him in his choices and understand that we didn't make the same choices. So, you know, like he was traveling this week and my son got sick and I had to rearrange my schedule for him. And there are moments where I'm definitely like, Oh, you know, like it's just so unfair that it's all on me. But then I remember, no, like, I set it up that way. So <laughs> stop complaining and be appreciative of the fact that you can leave work to go get your son when a lot of people couldn't do that, you know? So um, it's definitely still hard. Like, I, I mean, I was definitely in rough shape after, you know, 48 hours with a sick child by myself, but um, it's, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it. When you got married, you guys moved, you guys were living in LA and then you ditched me and Adam. It was like right when I met Adam too. Like we lived in the same city for like a week. I you guys know. got married. You moved immediately to Miami like a week before mm-hmm. your wedding or something absurd. Like just like really yeah. wanted to make it stressful uh, for <laughs> David's work. So you ended up joining, doing the triathlon stuff to try to have like a sense of community, right? Do you have any yeah. advice for listeners who – have recently moved and they feel like they're on an island because they've got their kids and they don't have family around and they don't really know what's going on. I mean, I know my own mother experienced that too. Like she got married and then immediately moved to a different, got dragged to Texas with my dad and, uh, yeah. And that sense of isolation with the kid. 
especially if you're a stay-at-home mom or you're someone like me who were, I was working for myself. That was the first time I officially was like, all right, I'm going off on my own. Prior to that, I had other, always had some other part-time job to supplement, you know, income and everything. But so I moved to Miami and I was by myself all the time, every day. And I just, I decided I needed to join something and find people who liked the same things that I liked. And I found this organization called Team and Training, and it was, you train for triathlons and endurance sports, and you also raise money for charity. So I was like, okay, these have to be good people. They're <laughs> athletic, and they're doing something for charity. Like, how, what how a bunch of dicks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, losers. So, and I'm not a joiner. Like, I don't like joining things. I'm very introverted, and, you know, it's, I... Yeah, I'm just quiet at first and all that. So um, it's like you have to step out of your comfort zone to find your new comfort zone. So I stepped out of my comfort zone, signed up for this team, and I ended up making great friends, having great experiences. Um, So I guess my recommendation would be, you know, join something, find a group of people that are interested in the same things as you, whether it's um, like a mommy and me group or you know, volunteering somewhere, but I didn't have like the workplace atmosphere that everybody has. We didn't know anyone here. And, you know, it's not like college where you like are literally living with thousands of people who are in the exact same situation as you. It's a big city and you have to find your little community. So for me, I know that I love fitness. I know that I, you know, want to be around people who want to do good things for the world. So that whole charity fitness thing was the perfect fit for me. So yeah. Join something. Join something. Okay. In 2010, you competed in the duathlon world championship race in Edinburgh, Scotland for Team USA. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Yeah. We got to talk about 2009. So you qualify yeah. for the duathlon and to the world championship in 2009. And then two mm-hmm. weeks before the race, you're riding your bike and you yep. get hit by a car. Yes. So I that- can still picture it so crystal clear. I was coming down a hill. I could see the guy in his window looking at his in, through his driver or through the front windshield, and I could see him making a left and looking at his phone at the same time. Oh, God. And I couldn't stop. There's, I was going, you know, I don't know, downhill, so probably upwards of 30 miles an hour. And he, I could, I, I just remember thinking, oh, this is not going to end well. And then the next thing I know, I'm being like woken up by all these other bikers that are in the area, and that was really scary. And I went to the hospital. I was really lucky. And I was wearing a helmet, obviously. And I didn't have any serious, um, no breaks or anything like that. I guess what I would consider serious damage. But they they discovered that I had these nodules on my thyroid when they did did the CAT scan. The doctor came in and was like, okay, this has nothing to do with your bike injury, but you're going to have to get your thyroid checked out. Because those are concerning nodules. And... I was just kind of like, wait, what? What is going on? Like, I'm try- I'm thinking about, like, the, the bike injuries and the race and all this, and now you're telling me, like, basically telling me I might have cancer. So it was rough. And then I I couldn't race, obviously, because I had the concussion. I was, I was dealing with some vertigo. And I felt physically like I could have made it through the race. But there were moments where if I turned my head a certain way, I would get super dizzy and lose my balance. And I just picture myself on the course that happening and not injuring myself but like what if I had knocked somebody else out of their you know off their bike or hit some you know caused somebody else pain or um you know ruin their race so I I didn't do the race 
And in January, I had to have this uh, thyroid, half my thyroid removed. The nodules were benign, so that was all good. And then I requalified. But you had half. So had your, wait, you just da, 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 da. you had half your thyroid removed. Can we just? Yeah. <laughs> like that's really scary. <laughs> yeah, and I remember I when I found out about the nodules and had to have the biopsy. I didn't tell anyone. I didn't tell my parents. I didn't tell you guys because I knew everyone would just be like super worried until they found out what was happening so I waited until I basically had the surgery booked and knew it was benign to tell anyone at home what was going on and um did you also have to go through I mean because I have had so many thyroid problems over the years mm -hmm. and it's a big deal like anything affecting your thyroid is huge so then you probably had to go through a lot of stuff afterwards to make sure you had the right amount of thyroid in your system and I mean it affects you hormonally it affects you mentally it affects you I mean did you go through any difficulties on the flip side of that surgery yes I remember I couldn't really I was I when I finally was ready to start training again I was, you know, doing sprints at the track one day, and I could not breathe. Hmm. And I just started crying because I was trying to train. I had, like, three months to train for this race again, and I had been out for however long, you know, from the bike accident and then from the surgery, and I couldn't breathe. And then, you know, I start crying, and I can't breathe because I'm crying and because I don't know what's going on with my throat. And I it's, I guess it's kind of common when you have a surgery day, like, one of, the, one of my vocal cords was paralyzed or partially paralyzed so when I was trying when my heart rate would get up and I would try to breathe really deeply the the airway wasn't opening as wide as it should or normally would and you know for an endurance race being able to breathe is probably one of the most important things so um after the doctor told me that he was like oh it's no big deal because for any any person it's not a big deal like just to live your daily life you know you don't really yeah but you're team usa <laughs> I just shook my fist in there when I said that. Team USA. So that was, <laughs> eventually, it got better. Um, I don't think I was 100% by the time the qualifier rolled around. I qualified like by the skin of my teeth. And, um, and then the actual race, so the qualifying race was in April, and then the actual race was in September. So by September, I was pretty much like as good as I was going to be, um, all things considered. And you did it. So, and I did it. And and what about your son? Is he athletic? I mean, he's two and a half. I, it's oh, hard yeah, to tell. so it's kind of hard to tell. I think that he's way. a giant too. Like, really, he's, he's a giant. so big. He definitely, he's definitely. I mean, he's he's a two and a half year old boy, so he's got a ton of energy. But he does like to be. He doesn't really like to be in the house. He likes to be out doing stuff. He's always happy to play games and sports and whatever. So it seems like he is. We just got to spend um, a week. No. T- we just got to spend a week with Sarah and her son, with my mother-in-law, uh, uh, Sarah's mom, and it's so funny because my mother-in-law is like a celebrity to all the kids, and they want her nonstop, <laughs> and they're just like Bubby, Bubby, Bubby. So the competition between my little Sabrina and Sarah's son was so hilarious, like because <laughs> they both wanted her one hundred percent, like all to yeah. themselves. And I can't Aww. wait to watch that <laughs> develop. Over yeah, the he is very competitive. Like sometimes he'll just start. He likes to do like races, and he'll just start running somewhere by himself. Like there's no one else around, and he just starts going, "Who will win? Who will win?" Oh, I love it. Sabrina's favorite thing to do is go catch her, catch her, catch her. <laughs> I catch her. I catch her. <laughs> oh my god, that's they so. They crack me up. 
So do you do you incorporate him like when in any of your active stuff? Is that something? I mean, I know sometimes like this is a really lame example, but I'll be like, all right, I need to exercise today. I'll just do it in the stroller. I'll jog. I mean, is that do you have to find creative ways sometimes to get your workout in at the same time that you're that you're taking care of your son? I've tried to do that, but he usually interferes in some way. Like he if he likes one hundred percent of my attention. If I'm like sometimes I'll be pushing him in the swing and then I'm trying to like just do some squats while I push him and he, and he's just like, What are you doing? Stop doing that. Push me, you know. So probably so embarrassed already. <laughs> yeah. Mom, stop doing squats. It's humiliating. Oh so I mean I tr- I try to do active stuff with him but like I'll take him to go swimming it's not like me doing my thing and trying to involve him it's like me trying to think of activities that are that happen to be active right you know like taking him swimming or going on bike rides or whatever it is and I've also realized that I'm you know I'm so into the whole working out thing that I really like I'm not satisfied I'm like like Ellie said unless it is like a super intense experience. <laughs> so for me to do like, you know, a little some air squats in the backyard while he's swinging isn't going to satisfy my my thirst for the workout. And what are your maternity leave plans now for because you're expecting in September your second child and I feel like mm-hmm. your business is thriving and you've got a thriving yeah. little almost 3-year-old. How I mean, is there such thing as maternity leave once you have a second kid? I mean, not, I don't think in the way that most people have it, you know, it's not like I just, I don't just shut off for three months. I'm still very involved in what's going on. And so also a pending childbirth is, is great motivation to just get things every, get everything organized. Like I feel like I'm nesting at home and I'm nesting at my business and I'm right now I'm trying to hire a second person. I only have one person that works for me. I'm trying to hire a second person just so I know that I'll be covered here. I don't want to feel like I, you know, have to come in earlier, sooner than I'm ready to, you know, I'll be in on emails and phone calls and things like that, but I want to be present physically and mentally for at least the first three months of his life also just because of the whole breastfeeding schedule like i remember Ryder was he was eating like every two and a half hours for a very long time i just got so tired like uh, listening to you even talk yeah i said <laughs> i said you don't really have a life at that point i mean i i just stayed in bed for like two months i didn't move i just and it was awesome but yeah. it's you basically are a i always think of like in the in the you beehive. really are a moo yeah. at that point. exactly yeah but like in the beehive, I mean, you see like the queen bee who just kind of like lays there and like shoots out the larva, and it's you know it's like. <laughs> but that's the first time. But then the second time, you got to pick up the other kid at school. It's like, yeah, yeah it's gonna be a whole right. Yeah, they're, they're different. It's different this time around, um, for sure. But um, I don't, I don't mind. I think you know sometimes like, oh wow, a real maternity leave sounds really nice. You know, just to focus on the baby and that's it. But yeah, like you said, I'll still, I'm still having to figure out riders pick up and drop off from school and I think we'll probably have someone the woman that nannied for rider when he was little will come back like in those after school hours just because I'm going to stay at home but at least just to have another set of hands or you know someone because I don't really know what to expect and I think the mistake I made the first time around was I unnecessarily tried to take on too much and I didn't you know 
I don't like asking for help. And I should have, I should have asked for more help when I needed it. And I'm going to try to not make that same mistake again. I think that if we could, you know, expand on that a little bit, I think that's a really, Mm -hmm. really important point for people to understand and really hear is that I think we all do that. And I think, you know, you want to be looked at as the mom who can do everything and none of us can. It's impossible. I mean, this is why. For the most part, there were vi- villages and communities that raised children together, you know, exactly. in the olden days. Um, and my and- hypnobirthing coach saying, Ellie, help is not a luxury. Yeah. We gotta get- <laughs> but we should all probably just it live in the like same house, Sarah. Don't you think? Like, let's just, like, have our little commune, compound situation because yeah. then we can help- get help from each other. Because sometimes it does feel like a luxury when you always have to pay for it, right? This is why we should go back but, yeah, to the village that's mentality. Yeah, situation because we have, we have no family here, so... I'm really jealous of my sister who has my parents down the street. And I know that a whole bunch of other stuff comes with, you know, living down the street from your parents, but, um, a sitcom, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. a really successful reality TV show. Yes. A book um, deal. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. It's just, yeah, it's, it just makes it harder when it's any time that you need that extra help, that it's someone you're paying and it's someone who's not related to you. It just feels, I don't, you know, how did you swing it that, that the person who worked for you the first time is still available and around. Like I, I want to how figure out how that works. <laughs> yeah. Just, I think just luck. Yeah, so lucky. That's um, awesome. That is amazing that really, she can yeah, come back. Cause, yeah, because she already knows Ryder and he really likes her and she knows the quirks um, it, of the family. I mean, that's the hard yeah, part. Exactly. Like they know your, all your dirty laundry. It is yeah. hard. Not the, that's like, not a phrase, but they sometimes see my dirty laundry. Well, you, I don't oh, yeah. the skeletons up. in your closet right. or they air your dirty laundry, yeah. I think is what. Well, my dirty laundry <laughs> is very aired because we don't put it in the hamper properly. But half the time I run around trying to pick up before our sitter comes because I want her to think that, you oh, know, yeah, I'm totally. like, yeah, you type A as I want to, you know. Listen, we're interviewing nannies right now, and Ugh. it's like the lady who cleans our house took two weeks off, and so it's like ours went to Hawaii last week. It's our like housekeeper a went to bomb Hawaii. went off. First world problems, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> and you're like it won't be like this once we work together. And they're like, oh god, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, Moo, if you could give our listeners just one tip for like how to find the thing they love and to run with it um we're gonna cut that because that's not a question (laughs) but uh, (laughs) just kidding we'll keep it but um you figured out like you really followed your passion and it was your two passions were creating jewelry and being an athlete and you created the perfect hybrid situation for that if there's a mom out there who's like i don't even know what i like what do you what do you do? Yeah, that's really hard, and I just I need to give my parents a lot of credit for for that, you know, because they they were always the kind of parent parents who were encouraging all of my siblings to to just do what we loved doing and not what we thought was like wanted or expected of us. So as a parent, I'm gonna do the same thing for Ryder. I'm gonna let him explore his own interests and try to hold back on, you know, um, having specific expectations for him, whether it's like a career or a sport or whatever. Um, but if you're an adult and you didn't have that kind of support growing up, I think that 
first of all, you have to, you have to give your, yourself time to clear your head and actually, I, I don't think you can answer those kind of difficult questions if you're always like, go, 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 keeping too busy or not giving your head any space. So I just find time to really sit and reflect and think about what would, what would make you happy? What, what little thing do you do that you're always happy doing? And what do you get lost in? You know, is it writing in your journal? Is it um, doing something artistic? And I also don't think that whatever you love has to necessarily become your career. I think I read this quote the other day that was like, do what you love and the money will follow. Like that is not true (laughs) necessarily. (laughs) I've spent a decade proving that. Maybe just do what you love because you love it, you know? And there are a lot of times where turning what I love into a business has at times like sucked the joy out of it, you know, where you're like, supposedly this business is built on something I love and yet I don't really feel like going to work today, you know, or a different kind of stress is added to what is my passion because I have to make money at it. Oh, I love that you're saying this. Yeah, you don't, I mean, and also I think in our, you know, in this day and age and in the United States, there's, and the shows like, um, you know, like Shark Tank or whatever, you see all these people like, I did all, everybody wants to run their own business and be their own boss. And, and I did too. And it's wonderful for a lot of reasons, but you just have to be careful and make sure that you don't let the pursuit of it as a career ruin what it brought to your life in the first place. So yeah, that's a good Once point. you do find that thing, just decide if it should remain a hobby or if you actually want to pursue it as a career as well. Um, wow. And I think of my dad a lot in this respect because he's, you know, he has a ton of interest. He's creative. He's great with his hands. You know, he, he's artistic in his own way. And he's a lawyer. And I remember him saying, like, he's like, I don't, he's like, I don't love being a lawyer for the sake of being a lawyer. He's like, I love it because I'm really good at it and, it and it allows me to have the life that I want to live. It allows him to provide for his family, take care of his children. But I think there are a lot of other things that my dad would enjoy doing more on a daily basis. So just kind of find that distinction. And, and if you have a job that is not your passion, that's okay because jobs, jobs are great for a lot of other reasons, whether it's your community, a community that you're in, or it makes you feel productive, or it allows you to provide for your family. It's, I think it's like an added bonus if it happens to be the one thing that you are so super passionate about. Well, so. also, I think that jobs can be placeholders. And like, we have this idea mm-hmm. that, you know, the thing that we're passionate about, and that very well could make us great money needs to happen now. And I think people need to realize, like, just because, so-and-so that you went to high school with or so-and-so that's, you know, in your college class or, or now in your group of moms and dads that you know, just because they hit it big at a young age and they're making lots of moolah and they seem to be so happy, like, that doesn't mean that that's your story. And maybe what's going mm-hmm. to be successful for you is coming down later down the road. So if you do do something that you enjoy and maybe don't make money about uh, with it, maybe that's mm-hmm. just not for the time being maybe there's something later on yeah. you know down down the way where you will need those definitely. skills that you've acquired doing the thing that you've got right now yeah definitely i, like, I had it. a business before fashletics it was another jewelry business and <laughs> we were at full circle it was called years. mushka it was called mushka was it really yeah. <laughs> and um, one day we were uh, it was it was 
it was rough. I didn't make, I never made a lot of money doing it. And I always felt like I was struggling. And I remember a couple years into Fashletics, Fashletics kind of, Fashletics took off, but it wasn't like it took off out of nowhere. I had been running this other business for like six years that wasn't that successful. And I consider that kind of like the lead in to Fashletics. Yeah, because you probably, you probably learned so much. Exactly. I learned so much and I do a lot of things differently now that, that I was making, you know, were maybe mistakes or I just didn't know enough at the time. But even though it was funny, we were at dinner one night with David's parents and my husband's parents and he was like, oh yeah, it's like, he's like, oh, I'm so proud of Sarah Fashlovitz, he's doing so great. He's like, and think of what a failure Moochka was. (laughs) 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 I was like, I don't think I would use the word failure necessarily. See, there's always hope. (laughs) (laughs) He is. You are married to redheaded Larry David. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He doesn't always have the right wording. But my point is, you could call that a failure, like a a six-year pursuit that maybe monetarily led to nothing. Not nothing, but, you know, didn't really do much. And I, I eventually killed it as a brand. But what it led to is this successful business now. And sometimes I even get nervous about specialists now. And then I realize, look, I'm 35 years old. Maybe this is what I do for the rest of my life. Maybe it's just getting me to the next thing. So, yeah, I think you're totally right. Always keeping that in mind that whatever you're doing at the moment isn't necessarily the end all be all. And it could be extremely good training or preparation or a way to open a lot of new doors somewhere down the road yeah it may Um, may just be just as necessary as the actual thing that will make you the happiest exactly thank you so much for for coming on and doing this and i know we have ellie and and your family to thank for that um and our listeners who uh loved our podcast uh with angie green fletcher you can go over to fashletics and find a great interview that Sarah ended up doing with Angie after listening to our podcast. Um, It's super inspirational and kind of like a fun follow-up. Yes. Angie is amazing. Oh, and another love connection made by Atomic Moms. (laughs) (laughs) I love all your guests. Uh, I love all your episodes. Awesome. Okay, well, I'll talk to you later. (laughs) All right, talk to you later. Ciao. And we'll be right back. We're back. My mom session today is from Fashletics. Uh, our listeners might remember when I had the mom session that was the maternity shirts from Fashletics that are so adorable, those tanks that rock. Um, and this time I want to talk to you guys about their her charm collection because each charm is sold separately, but then she's got necklaces different sizes and she's got bracelets and they're awesome. You know, they say things like, I am what I have overcome, struggles reveal strength, progress, not perfection. That should be tattooed to me. Uh, Strong (laughs) is beautiful. And then, you know, she's got believe in yourself, pursue your passion, live what you love. Mm. And there are so many um, options for that. You can change them out. And they're just a good reminder. I love inspirational jewelry. It's it. I always feel better buying something that says something great on it, you know? And it's expressive. Yeah. Right? 
Okay, my mom bomb. I have been on a manifestation kick. I decided I was going to order all these books and read all these different things. And um, I actually have just been listening to them on audiobooks because I realized how does Ellie get so much reading done? And I realize a lot of it is because she listens. It's so much easier when you're in the car, when you're walking, running, you know. Uh, so I'm actually getting more of that done. But there is an amazing guy. I don't think he's alive anymore. Ellie, shocker. <laughs> shocker. <laughs> is he from the 1800s and did he run a cult? Tell me there was a sweat lodge involved. <laughs> uh, Neville Goddard is his name. And um, I think the book that I got of his is the Neville Goddard Reader. And it's a like, collection. <laughs> Sounds scintillating. <laughs> Neville. Listen. I mean, I hope you Neville. just like, I, tell me you're wearing like lingerie, red lingerie. <laughs> you like cuddle up in bed. You've got a fire. And Smoking then you've got a your, cigarette. Yeah, you got your Neville Goddard reader it's <laughs> so true anyway what country is he from no idea sounds like utah um maybe it does sound like it doesn't he uh i thought this was great we need um, a fact checker on this show because <laughs> i mean it's like i don't i asked about I montreal like, earlier i don't have the time no it's, it, it, yeah. whatever um some some listener who has a lot of time just on like hands. so we just need a wikipedia person <laughs> exactly um we don't have the time to read the back of the book that it says the about like maybe you should actually like know something about the person who is like saying these things because what if you get brainwashed by somebody who's like oh, well by the way I, by the way i usually do but the fact of the matter is i haven't actually started reading his book because I, I just looked him up online when I, before I ordered the book and I saw his quotes and I was like oh I like these quotes so I'm going to order the That's book good. how did so, you find the quotes um, I just put his name in because I how had how did you know his name I researched what did people, he come to you in a dream what people, <laughs> yes he's speaking to me from the corner of the room um <laughs> I just I went online and researched what manifestation books people really right. like, and then when I find a couple that show up a couple times on on yeah. Amazon reviews or whatever, then I ne- order them. Neville's a big deal. He's a I big deal. I've and by the way, I actually think I follow him or his account. It's not on him. Twitter. <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> Before I even knew that he was like this great author um, and kind of manifestation teacher. So anyway, I thought this one was a great one because I know that you and I both feel like always like we're not doing enough and you feel like wow there's all these people out there that are working for these huge charities and getting so much done and changing the world he says stop trying to change the world since it's only the mirror man's attempt to change the world by force is as fruitless as breaking a mirror in the hope of changing his face leave the mirror and change your face leave the world alone and change your conceptions of yourself and that makes me feel better (laughs) There's some listener out there going, change my face in L.A. Some listener changed my face and she's driving to Rodeo to drive right now to a plastic surgeon. Don't change the world. Change your face. He didn't say change your. Oh, he did say change your face. Leave the mirror and change your face. Well, he meant the stuff behind the face. No, I love it. I really I'm just teasing. Guys, Ellie always breaks down my stuff, my spiritual stuff. She makes me feel really low. No, (laughs) I'm kidding. No. That's so terrible. I don't want to make you feel low. No. I'm just... I was joking. I'm I'm being mischievous. I know you are, and I love it. And it's why this podcast works, because uh, otherwise it would get way too, like, hippy-dippy, grungy, granola-y. And if it were just you, it would get way too, like, anxiety, somebody... It would be just like, oh, God. (laughs) I'm sure those podcasts are out there. No, it's, like, really fun to be able to play off each other. It's good. We're we're good yin and yang, and I think, like... what I love about you is that 
I can say things to you and you don't have an ego about it. Because there's a lot of people like when I'm like, Ellie, I don't think that's the best idea. You're like, okay. Like a lovely little puppy. You're oh, just like, sure. okay. <laughs> I know. Like if I were an animal, it's probably a golden retriever. How about you? What's your animal? Oh, if I, I were an animal. A cat. Shoot, a cat? No, I don't think so. I think I would a be tigress. like. No, definitely not. I would, I would be something that like is really is really like uh well you know everyone in in um high school used to tell me that i look like a deer i don't know why i got that i get fawn fawn because you have big eyes yeah uh, i have to think about that one what animal would i be well, why don't you just like meditate on my tigress statement because you know you're so quick to reject it but maybe there's a part of you that is <laughs> is a tigress maybe you need maybe. to get in touch with your inner tigress bianca maybe what is there something that's like not as cool looking or beautiful looking as a tigress oh see I that's feel, the issue well maybe. but i think like there i would be something a little more awkward see there you go okay <laughs> a tigress who has a thorn in her paw <laughs> Or maybe, maybe. See, I think you do. You kind of like move in this like luxurious I like do? way. Yeah. We need to do like one of those Dove commercials. You've got a where broken we, mirror. Where we go. I do have a broken mirror. I know. I know. All right. We've talked way too much about ourselves now. We need to, we need to <laughs> say, our, say our goodbyes and let everyone go back to. I don't want to go in traffic. <laughs> I'm having fun. Do you want to come over to my house? Yes. Okay. All right, guys. We're going to go have a slumber party. Ellie's not going home to I'll, Adam or Sabrina. I'll Skype in the bedtime stories. Perfect. <laughs> it's great. We, we should have the girls over. Well, they are too young to do this. But I, when we can have a slumber party with the girls, that would be so fun. Yeah. With the podcast or without? Oh, my gosh. We should totally no, do we it. shouldn't. Yes. But there, there are boundaries. We and gotta, we should get we a little drop. A little drunk. It would be really funny. I bet all our listeners want to hear that. What, us drunk with our kids? Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) This is why we're partners, people. We we both keep it afloat. Oh, Uh, oh, God. Subscribe. Yes. Right? You got to subscribe so you can listen to all our old episodes because now they only show 20 of them. Oh yeah, iTunes. you only get you only can see all of them me because we've done a, we have a, so many that we've done since last November. All right, we got to go home. We love you I guys. I really am like resisting leaving. I know. Love Trust you guys also in your goodness. Live out your greatness and rock on. Atomic, Atomic moms. moms. Somebody tell us who Neville is. If you like listening to comedy, try watching it. On the internet. The folks behind the Sideshow Network have launched a new YouTube channel called Wait For It. It's got interviews with comedians like Reggie Watts, Todd Glass, Liza Schleisinger. Schleisinger, I've been friends with her for 10 years. One of the funniest people out there, and I still have a hard time with the last name, Liza. Our very own Owen Benjamin, that's me, takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more. You don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash Wait for it comedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore. Because it's here. And it's funny. And I love you. A few days ago, Brooke Tudine posted an inspirational quote on her wall that got 17 likes and three comments. Thumbs up, Brooke. Geico also wants to make a comment. In just 15 minutes, you could save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance by switching to Geico. And nothing says inspiration better than saving money. Well, except for those posters that say things like teamwork, excellence, and make it happen. Hashtag keep climbing. Hashtag savings. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.